Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species is a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. The program is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia and streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are available from both the 3CR and Freedom of Species websites. All podcasts are available via iTunes. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie. Today I've got some recorded spoken word performances to share with you. But first, I'm going to play a presentation from this year's Summit of the Humane Education Coalition. It's a presentation given by Nicola Creek, who is the Head of Education with the New Zealand animal rights group SAFE. That's an acronym for Save Animals from Exploitation. The presentation is entitled Animals and Us, Bringing Humane Education into the Mainstream. My name is Nicola Creek, and I'm the Head of Education at SAFE for Animals. Today, I'm going to tell you about how SAFE has taken our humane education program, Animals and Us, into the mainstream. This talk is going to cover how New Zealand, the New Zealand curriculum and animal advocacy fits together, uh, the challenges we've had in creating our program, uh, an overview of Animals and Us, which is our program, and a summary of the evaluation that we've done of the program recently. I'm going to start by giving you a brief outline of the New Zealand curriculum and its guiding principles, W's and key competencies. A knowledge and good understanding of the curriculum is essential when creating an education program designed for schools. In New Zealand, the school curriculum has a vision that students be confident, connected and actively involved lifelong learners. The principles of the curriculum embody beliefs about what's important and desirable in the school curriculum and are designed to underpin all school decision-making. They are forward-thinking and inclusive. The principles relate to the formal structure of the curriculum, planning, review, etc. Of particular relevance is the appreciation of cultural diversity, valuing the histories and traditions of all people, inclusion, non-sexist, non-racist, and non-discriminatory, affirming students' identities and talents, Community engagement, connecting with the students' wider lives and communities. Coherence, making links across learning areas. And a future focus, looking at the future by exploring issues such as sustainability, citizenship and globalisation. When looking at the principles of the curriculum from the perspective of human animal studies, it's easy to identify how it can be incorporated and complement and enhance learning. The exploration of human-animal relations touches on many, if not all, of the guiding principles of the New Zealand curriculum. Almost every human culture has some form of relationship with animals, and these relationships vary depending on animal species and human culture. Animals may be treasured family members, property, uh, farmed, consumed, idolised symbols of power, feared enemies. However, when looking at the principles of inclusion in the uh, school curriculum, the human-animal relationship is more of an example of exclusion. 
While we strive for a non-sexist, non-racist, non-discriminatory world, we casually overlook the rights of animals. Our relationship with animals has massive ramifications for our future. The planet is in peril and our relationship with animals is at the core of the problem. The study of human-animal relationships not only complements the principles of the New Zealand curriculum, it is essential to our future globally and socially. Which brings me to values, another key component of the New Zealand curriculum. These values have not been written with human-animal relations in mind, but once again can be greatly enhanced when the human-animal relationships added to the mix. It is within the area of human-animal studies that it has the most potential. Discussions on how humans attribute and distribute value to animals is a complex and rich area of study, which also provides possibilities for personal development in regards to integrity and respect. So they encourage inquiry and curiosity, thinking critically and reflectively, diversity, cultural and inherited, equity, fairness and social justice, community and participation for the common good, ecological sustainability, care for the environment, uh, integrity, responsibility, accountability and acting ethically, and respect for themselves and others. The abilities New Zealand students are encouraged to develop as a result of learning about and exploring values align beautifully with human-animal studies. Young people with an interest in animals and animal rights are able to be classroom ambassadors. They can help their fellow students understand an alternate set of values and the motivations behind them. Learning experience will include learning about their own values and the values of others. Different kinds of values such as moral, social, cultural and aesthetic and economic values. The values of other groups and cultures. These learning experiences will develop a student's ability to express their own values, to explore with empathy the values of others, to critically analyse values and actions based on them, to discuss disagreements that arise from differences in values and negotiate solutions, and to make ethical decisions and act on them. The key competencies are the competencies that students are expected to leave school with, to live, learn, work and contribute as active members of their communities, and they are thinking, using language, um, managing themselves, relating to others and participating and contributing. Teachers have explored the human-animal relationship and include elements of human-animal studies into their daily teaching, uh, not only widening the scope for new ideas and critical thinking, they are providing learning opportunities and developing capabilities in young people. Human-animal studies may still be in its infancy, but it can connect powerfully with the vision principles and values of the New Zealand curriculum. So although not a subject area in its own right yet, uh, human-animal studies is able to be incorporated into a number of different learning areas with the potential to meet and enhance curriculum objectives. It's probably most easily applied to English. Teachers, uh, students can study representations of animals in literature, analyse texts and explore how and why animals are represented in the way they are. For example, King Kong raises a number of complex issues, important questions about the human-animal relationship, exploitation of the natural world, violence and friendship. Social studies provides ample opportunities to look at the human-animal relationship by exploring animal rights as a social justice movement and discussing why people advocate for animals. Uh, the science curriculum already asks students to consider the ethics and appropriateness of the use of animals in science from vivisection to genetic engineering. Uh, even the economic syllabus has the possibility to explore how the exploitation of animals contributes to the world's economic progress. 
the development of factory farming and the ethics of putting financial greed above the needs of animals. Um, in the geography syllabus, human-animal relations can be explored by looking at environmental sustainability and how our exploitation of animals contributes to the environmental de degradation of the planet, greenhouse gases, land use and pollution, for example. And finally, health. In the last 15 years, the Western world has a new health epidemic. Our population is plagued by obesity, diabetes, cancer and heart disease. And human-animal studies provides opportunities to discuss how the consumption of animals and animal products leads to health problems. Bringing human-animal studies into secondary schools, however, is not without its challenges. One of the challenges of creating the Safe Animals in Us program was figuring out how to bring human-animal studies and its alternative view of animals into the classroom and curriculum. I've already illustrated how easily human-animal studies fits within curriculum objectives. But the problem we face is that many schools and teachers continue to run pre-existing programs and they are reluctant to deviate from set texts and learning objectives. Underlying this is the fact that studying animals and animal issues is often only undertaken seriously in the sciences and often with a very Cartesian sort of viewpoint. Throughout history, animals have been considered as lesser beings. And it's only relatively recently that human-animal relationships have begun to be examined, more specifically our relationship and the status questioned. I've already mentioned the opportunities in the curriculum and within the learning areas for human-animal studies to be incorporated into teacher programs. The challenge is to encourage teachers to pick up some of these themes and topics and materials and add them to their programs. We know that many teachers are utilising the materials and including human-animal studies into their programs, but there are many schools and departments who plan a set of course a study for the year and don't deviate from it. This means we need to ensure that the benefits of human-animal studies outweigh any reluctance or apathy teachers may have. In a sense, it's important to appeal to the fact that human-animal studies links strongly with curriculum objectives. It appeals to students, it's fresh, it's cutting edge, field of study they can participate in. This means when putting together the human animal studies textbooks that we've done here at SAFE, uh, it's important to choose topics that are engaging and relevant to both teachers and students. This is probably one of the most difficult decisions when putting together each of the textbooks. As I work for an animal rights organisation, I have the added pressure of ensuring that the textbooks not only meet the needs of teachers and students, but also fit within the philosophy and educational objectives of SAFE. Um, fortunately, human-animal studies is the perfect vehicle for introducing animal rights concepts into the classroom environment. When I first conceptualised Animals in Us, it was crucial to me that we choose a topic that was, would work as a launching pad for the entire series. Initially, I wanted to create a textbook that was focused on the sort of philosophy, ethics and history of animal rights. But realistically, I knew that many schools would be uncomfortable with this topic. So I decided to choose a more recognised and sympathetic topic, which was battery hen farming. Battery hen farming at the time, at that time was, and still is, widely recognised and largely publicly condemned method of farming, and yet still very prevalent. And so this issue was highly topical for students, and judging by the number of requests we had for information, and we had plenty of materials that we could utilise for the textbook. And this decision did pay off, and the first issue was extremely popular, which we, in which we focused on animals, uh, on, on battery hen farming. Uh, so to tell you a bit more about Animals and Us and the programme itself, um, 
I spent considerable time working on a strategic plan, a vision and a set of objectives. It was important that teachers and students knew exactly what Animals and Us hoped and planned to achieve. It also helped me remain focused on what I was creating and ensured some cohesiveness and consistency. One thing I'd noticed after 10 years of working as an animal advocate for the SPCA prior to working for SAFE was that there was a distinct lack of professional resources on animal issues in schools. Many, many animal advocacy groups are, are not-for-profit, like we are, and so the standard of the materials that we produce is pretty primitive. Uh, photocopied booklets stapled together don't give teachers confidence in authenticity or credibility. So one of the main objectives of Animals and Us was to ensure the resources were professional and credible, so they would be taken seriously by teachers and students. They need, it needs to engage with the curriculum, which I've already spent time talking about. So what does our program offer? I wanted the Animals and Us program to have a multimedia approach. The textbook is a traditional method still used in schools, but along with the textbook itself, which is quite a comprehensive textbook, about 200 pages per textbook, uh, is a DVD and a website where materials can be downloaded. There's still room for improvement, and I'll talk about that shortly. Um, we have had uh, done a comprehensive independent evaluation of our program uh, last year, and we're going to be exploring new ways to deliver the program, especially through the rapidly changing digital education landscape. But what we have done since 2007 is produced five textbooks, each on a different animal issue. The first issue, as I said, was on battery hens. The second was on animal rights. The third was animals and entertainment. The fourth was on animals used in experiments. And the fifth was uh, on factory farming in a broader sense. Each textbook contains units of study that I have uh, put together that link back to the curriculum. They're multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary. Uh, and there are a range of extracts within the textbooks that support those units of studies. Uh, study from non-fiction books, novels, poems, newspaper articles, magazine articles, cartoons, advertisements, posters, leaflets, all sorts of different ways of, uh, of engaging with the topic. Uh, there's a DVD that has, a, um, has footage and clips from news and current affairs, documentaries, film commercials and activist footage. And of course, we have a website where you can download all of the materials. This is, that website is currently being updated, so it's um, uh, not containing everything it usually does, but look, do look for it. Um, we really did want the, the textbooks to be multidisciplinary, and one of the most attractive characteristics of human-animal studies is that the concepts can be applied to a range of disciplines. For example, when looking at history, the history of the animal rights movement, it's also possible to look at the geographical aspects, uh, the changing patterns of animal use and how it affects land use, economics, the effects of factory farming on economic activity and trade, and in English, an analysis of producing texts. And teachers can then apply these materials across the curriculum, and, and students will gain a deeper understanding of the interconnectedness of our relationship with non-human animals. Animals and Us provides teachers and students with all the necessary tools to explore the human-animal studies within their specialist disciplines. But the beauty of it is that it also has relevance to a number of different disciplines and is able to be used as an interdisciplinary study. 
many of the top human animal scholars uh, uh, have contributed to Animals and Us. Randy Malamud, Peter Singer, Mark Beckhoff, Jonathan Balcom, among others. Many of their texts uh, have been used or extracts of their works to support the units of study to get students to think more critically and deeply about these issues. And the textbooks have been very positively received by teachers and students around New Zealand and have even attracted the attention of, attention of international animal advocacy education community. There's been very little negative feedback from schools in the wider community. Uh, human animal studies is not always complimentary to those who abuse and exploit animals. And so we did expect some uh, backlash. But while the first issue was, of, was on battery hen farming and did attract the attention of the CEO of the Egg Producers Federation here in New Zealand, there was no attempt to discredit it. Uh, and this was no doubt due to the fact that the Egg Producers Federation themselves produced school resources. So, uh, as I mentioned, we did do a comprehensive evaluation of our textbook series last year. It's 10 years since the program was launched in schools, so we decided to in, uh, contact an independent evaluator, Pam Oliver. And she, uh, the scope of the evaluation was on awareness and uptake, the value of the textbooks, the uses of the textbooks, uh, diversity, relevance, type of use, impacts for teachers and students, barriers and enablers, why were they used or not used, um, what kind of awareness there is of them, uh, curriculum relevance, distribution, promotion, cultural relevance, uh, etc. Uh, and in brief, the findings were that they were viewed by teachers and librarians and educators in New Zealand as highly valuable. Uh, they've been used and appreciated in widely, widely in around 170 secondary schools across New Zealand. We have about 400 uh, secondary schools altogether. Many teachers adapt the textbooks into learning areas other than those that they are, than they are targeted at. They are valued due to the, re the relevance to New Zealand, the New Zealand experience. Uh, they largely used in individual projects rather than as a class set. And they were used to sort of fill a gap um, because those materials were not always available elsewhere. The impact of the program has been very strong. Um, teach, the teachers have indicated that students uh, have been developing awareness of animal rights together with both empathy and a sense of responsibility for animal welfare. That students reacted emotionally to the safe resources and most enjoyed the debates and with classmates and family that emerged afterwards. Teachers estimated that about half of each class accepted the concept of animal rights versus animal welfare, and most commonly changing their diet to meat-free, and that virtually all students undertook some form of social action after exposure that's ranging from something passive to something active, uh, many via social media. The comments about the uptake and distribution were that we align with the resources with current curriculum, as we said, but even if it didn't align as well with the curriculum as, as teachers wanted it to, many teachers made it fit. Uh, there was need for more strategic distribution. So that means that instead of sending copies of the textbooks to one department at the school, that we send them to every HOD, every head of department, um, that we promote more heavily, and that we enlist teachers to be ambassadors of our program. And the biggest thing that came out of our evaluation was that we move into the digital, uh, digital um, field and we 
a digital space, I should say, and that we do sort of smaller, more digital modules on a more frequent basis. So finally, um, it's exciting to be part of an initi initiative that launches human animal studies into secondary schools in New Zealand. It's certainly breaking new ground and has opening worlds, uh, new worlds of thought to young people. And my hope that with a growing awareness of the human-animal relationship in future generations, they'll have the skills and ability to look outside the sphere of their own existence and not only recognise the animal, but have a sense of knowing that reaches over the boundaries we currently secure animals within and accepts the animal world as we accept our own. Brunswick Music Festival, back for two weeks this March, featuring international acts, Flahio, Jay Mascus and Snail Mail, plus an epic local contingent including Jazz Party, The Necks, Ace Swayze and the Ghosts, The Murlocs, Tando, Jade Imagine, Sophie Grophy, Genesis Owusu, Beck Sandridge, Hexdet, and so much more. For the full program and tickets, head to brunswickmusicfestival.com.au. Brunswick Music Festival is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR 855 AM and you just heard a presentation from Nicola Creek from SAFE in New Zealand about how animal rights has been brought into the New Zealand curriculum. And that was from the Humane Education Coalition Summit and you can learn more about that event at www.hecoalition.org summit. Now I've got some spoken word performances for you. This first one is by Lucy Cook. And she gave that at an animal rights march in London in 2017. It breaks my heart, no exaggeration, to see the way that we treat animals as a world, as a nation. It is your duty, your obligation to go vegan. This has to stop. No negotiations. Or this world will not experience future generations. Vegans are pushy and use intimidation, but we do our best to hold back frustration. Sometimes it is desperation. Slip growth castrations and mutilations. This has existed before every movement, the whole duration. All aboard the train of death, the slaughterhouse is the next station. Is this how we treat God's beautiful creations? Their life is more important than your temptation. Join this movement, let's get information. The cracks are building in your excuses, foundations. Freedom is not a privilege, it is a birthright. Not only intended for humans, so let's just recite. Thou shalt not kill! Yeah. If that's the wrong part to highlight, no. I will flick the switch on and I will leave it under the spotlight. Because as long as you don't have to witness it, it stays out of sight. Sometimes I can't hold my tongue and exercise being polite. Because thou shalt not kill applies to animals too. Or is it because they are deemed less important than you? Says who? The animal's time has come, it is long overdue. I am not talking about only a few. Over 50 billion animals are murdered every year. Injustice and death suffocate our world's atmosphere. Imagine living in constant fear. This cannot be justified any longer. Veganism and animal rights are growing stronger, but the fight is still ongoing. We are here to portray what the media's not showing. Taking advantage of the unknowing, the blood in your cup is overflowing. Now it has spilled and tainted your hands red. 
with the blood of a thousand innocent beings now dead, all for a piece of flesh to put in between your bread, and we have the audacity to claim that's why they are bread. Let's flip the table over and put yourself in their position, kept in unnatural, disgusting conditions, all for someone to claim it's tradition. Oh, you wouldn't mind? I have my suspicions. Because if it were you, you would scream to be free. So I will never be quiet, as we all possess the key to unlock their cage, just don't buy it anymore. Because believe it or not, we are not omnivores. Let's put it another way. Our body is able to digest processed foods, but that does not mean that it is natural to do. They are both detrimental to our health as a fact that it's true. I dare you to enter a slaughterhouse or animal laboratory. Oh wait, you can't. It's illegal due to the authorities because that is their territory to inflict suffering and pain in all its glory. But every animal in there has a story. Oh, but you should respect my right to consume animal products. It's my choice. Not when your food has a voice. Not when there's a victim on the other end of your knife. spoken word performer was Lucy Cook. Now, the next one is Alison Gray, and she's performing a piece called The Day the Elephants Went Extinct. The Day the Elephants Went Extinct! (laughs) (laughs) Nobody noticed. They were too busy. Too busy not missing the goats. Too busy not caring about the lorikeets. Too busy not remembering the the, the dolphins. <laughs> dolphins. And they were milling about in this empty, empty world. You know, I heard once that uh, the world is a mirror. Yeah, that that like everything that happens to it is actually happening to you. You know, like inside? <laughs> but that's that crazy new age shit, right? Anyway, I decided to be nice and hold a vigil or something for the elephants. So I thought about uh, going to the forest. <laughs> right, <laughs> there's no more trees. Uh, so I thought about um, 
setting a candle adrift in a stream. Right. There's no water, either. Well, shit, how's a person supposed to hold a funeral in an empty-ass place like this, you know? Oh, damn. Then, I had an idea. I could just say a little prayer. That's right, it had been a while since anyone hit God up, you know? Figured now was an opportune time to send him a ring. So I lifted my eyes to the sky. There was no more sky. And started to shout, but there were no more words. And I figured that was okay, because, uh, because, because, because God probably went extinct too, along with the rest of creation, right? That was all right. And then I looked around to see what else might have up and vanished while I wasn't aware, and there were no more plants. There was no more dirt, no more rocks, no more animals, and no more people. I was alone. I mean, I was already... We had all been alone, but now it was like official, you know? <laughs> so... I figured... Ah, uh, hell. <laughs> this is it, right? And I let myself fade, limb by limb, organ by organ, until it was just my eyes. And then I saw it. Just before vision went extinct, too. A tiger stalking towards me. He had returned to remind me that he never left. He came to deliver the news. And so he licked his sharp teeth, and he was the color of destruction. That piece was by Alison Gray. This next one is by Jamie G, and it comes with a language warning. Breakfast, dinner, lunch, brunch, options on commercial drive. Vegan. <laughs> and that's a privilege I choose, but I got a bunch of reasons for munching seasoned greens instead of animals, because that's a choice that's affecting the whole planet. So if you don't understand, let me try to put this better. Animal agriculture is worse for the environment than all travel put together. And the hungry in the world don't have to be starving. But thanks to capitalism and factory farming, the facts are alarming, not unfounded belief. When up to 16 pounds of third world grain is making one pound of first world beef. And the poison in the meat, an artery clogging diet, and a way to justify it. Trust me, I used to try. I was proudly carnivorous and glorifying apathy while animal living conditions are a horrifying tragedy. A life of pain to the day they're slain. Freedom's that thing that they wish to gain. But what if it was you, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, or one of your kids? See, then I don't think you'd be so quick to dismiss that a being can exist for reasons other than this, and yet, billions every year are confined and tortured and living in fear, and it's been made clear by the dissection that they feel empathy and pain, so shouldn't we stop the testing? Can anyone say that that's not oppression? It even comes spun up in a web of intersections. Do you not expect rage when you've got them in a cage with nothing but time to try to plot and escape? Animal resistance is not a mystery. You can look back, there is a lot of history, and yes, 
It's a no-brainer when a captive animal attacks their own trainer, so fuck the circus and fuck the zoo. If you knowingly support them, then fuck you too. These excuses, excuses for abuse that get assumed are the worst. And some people have the nerve to tell me to worry about humans first. Well, every vegan I know spends time at demos, shelters, protests, and soup kitchens. So I'm asking how the fuck are you living? I got beef with beef. That's a huge waste of water and there's no such thing as humane slaughter. You can give them space if it helps you cope, but how does it feel when you slit their throat? That last spoken word piece was by Jamie G. Thanks for tuning in this week. You can contact us here at Freedom of Species by email info at freedomofspecies.org. You can also Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm going to leave you with one more spoken word piece, and this one is called Butt Bacon. We'll see you next week. As a vegan, parties can be a minefield, a landscape strewn with explosions that might strip away my hard-earned armor, revealing me for who I really am. You know I don't eat animals, but you laugh. You laugh and say they're suffering just doesn't matter. That for some reason they can't feel the pain and horror, love and fear that you can. You say, but bacon. And when you say, but bacon, I see beings as smart as children who never see the sun until they're about to die. I think of those eyes that ask why, and I don't have an answer. Bacon, you say, as you congratulate yourself on making billions of lives feel as small as your dumb joke. And I have to laugh it off, brush it away, as images of desperation play inside my brain. God forbid you don't think I'm cool. God forbid I don't get invited to another party where you spit in the face of everything I believe in. When you say, but bacon, I think of the subjugation of billions, each one an individual, each one desperate to live just one more day, one more hour, one more second. I think of a planet being destroyed so you can have a BLT or an obnoxious Bloody Mary or whatever else you choose to garnish with the chopped up body parts of beings you think aren't as smart as you. I think of cancer and cholesterol. It's no secret anymore that chewing up cadavers destroys more than just your morals. And despite this, you shrug it off, laughing at your own nihilism, at how cruel you choose to be. But I'm the radical? I let you say it. And it is killing me. But next time, I won't be silent. Have you heard about the Melbourne International Electric Vehicle Expo? Find out what's happening with electric cars, bikes, skateboards, scooters, trucks and more. The event is being held at the Melbourne International Karting Complex in Todd Road, Port Melbourne on Saturday, March 16th. Come along and experience what it's like to drive or ride an electric vehicle. Attend focus seminars and tech talks. To find out more, go to evexpo.org.au or find us on Facebook. The Melbourne Electric Vehicle Expo is a 3CR supporter.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.